2: I'm going
3: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your 24-7, 365 stop for all news and analysis for the green and gold. My name is Mike Lennon, alongside Tyler Gresley a couple time zones over, both suffering through some heat, but it is about a week from training camp. The season is almost here, and it's just about time for some more Packer football, and tonight we bring you a breakdown of the interior defensive line, what well, might be the one of the best competitions in camp, one of the deepest position groups on the roster. It is a stacked group of 10 guys that are listed on the 90-man roster, which we'll break down shortly as well. But before that, don't forget to head out to wherever podcasts are found, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. Give us a like, give us a comment, and subscribe to there as well. Also, head out to Ticket King and get your Packers tickets if you want to head up to Lambo Field or to a road game as well. And, uh, And support our friends at Ticket King, as they have been helping us very much over the past month or so as well. So head out and stop by that and get your great Packers tickets at great prices. So, Tyler, Grizzagoric, how's everything going with you? How's life treating you? And you ready for some more Packer defensive line talk?
4: You know what? I haven't talked about Packers since the last time we talked about Packers. Um, uh, if, if you follow me on Twitter at all, you've kind of seen that I've kind of taken a fundamental shift in what I am writing about and focusing on. And, um, you know, I'm just excited to get back on and talk about Green Bay Packer football.
3: Absolutely, and it's going to be quite the fun podcast as well, but before we get to even the defensive line breakdowns, we do have a minor transaction being made by the Packers. They have signed wide receiver Malik Taylor, and the, it was announced officially by the team on Friday. Taylor is a 6'3", 220 out of Ferris State. He did spend some time with Tampa after the draft before he got cut out from there. He's got some interesting numbers. He missed most of his last season due to injury, but... In his career, 121 catches, over 2,000 yards, a 17.3 yards per catch average. He was all-conference in 2017 as a junior. He had 906 yards and six touchdowns, also can return kicks as well when he was a junior. And when you look at some of his pro day numbers, he went to Western Michigan's pro day. He had 47 catches for 1,000 yards as a sophomore as well, which is an incredible number. But he ran under 4'5", 36-inch vertical at 6'3", 10 six in the broad jump, 6813 cone 4.02 short shuttle. So this guy's got all the measurables. He's got speed, he's got decent agility, he's got the size, and he could be a guy who could make some who could make things a little more interesting at least for a practice squad spot as far as the receiver room.
4: Yeah, that room is already super competitive, and you know Gudekunst just keeps adding competition to that room. Uh, I, I think I made a brief comment on Twitter today about how it's yet another Gutekunst athlete at wide receiver. You know that three cone number, that forty yard dash. I've never had a chance to check out his RIS, but I'm pretty sure he's probably a good athlete, uh, just looking at those numbers and. Uh, kind of his build, uh, I think you mentioned he was six-two. So just another guy, to, another athlete to throw into the group on the back end of that roster. He's going to have an uphill battle to make the roster, uh, probably even the practice squad, considering some of the names that are in front of him. But uh, you know, you can never have too much. competition. Um, it's when I was covering the Colts at the beginning of last year, uh, that's something that I really praised uh, their general manager Chris Ballard for. He just had he had so much competition throughout his roster at every single position, and look where it got them last year. They were they were far and away succeeding or exceeding their expectations last year. And I think it's because ultimately they just fostered that, that culture and that environment of competition, and uh, the best players ultimately won their positions. And I'm excited to see a lot of position battles this offseason in training camp, specifically wide receiver and then defensive line, which we're going to talk about here in a second, because there's just a lot of competition there.
3: Absolutely. And then one last minor move was made in the NFL as well on Friday. And this is a guy who I'd been stumping for the Packers to sign for years and years and years. I was told that he had retired. Apparently I was wrong. Uh, Darren Sproles back in Philly for one more year. That, that little guy just keeps plugging along. He would have been a great fit as a uh, punt returner for the Packers. But either way, Sproles back in Philly. And hopefully we don't see him very much at all, if against, against Green Bay at least. So with that being said, I think we should might as well just hop right into the defensive line, huh? Yeah, definitely.
4: Uh, one quick note on Darren Sproles. Uh, you know, he just, add, he just adds to us already a crowded backfield in Philly. So you know, I don't know what he's going to do. He's probably there as a veteran presence to a guy like Miles Sanders. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's electric with the ball in his hands, and that's why he's been in the league for so many years.
3: Absolutely. So now turning our attention toward the Packers' defensive line this year. Like we said at the beginning, this is a very deep group, and there's 10 guys listed on the roster with that position. And conceivably, 8 of them actually have a legitimate chance at making the roster. It is a very loaded group, and there's 5, maybe 6 that make it. If they really want to get greedy, they can maybe try and sneak 7, but it's this is going to be... Beyond the really the top four, maybe or top five, there's five that are pretty much locked in the spots. And that's going to be Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Dean Lowry, Montrevious Adams, and Kingsley Kiki. But the other five guys battling for one, maybe two spots in uh, Tyler Lancaster, James Looney, Fidel Brown. So it's going to be an incredible battle, especially with guys like Daniels and Lowry on the last year of their contracts. you got to think long-term as well. And Kenny Clark as well going to get that big extension fairly soon, I would think. But this is just... I am amazed at how deep and talented this defensive line group is now.
4: I cannot wait for Patton to unleash this group of guys. When you, like, we'll talk about them in a little bit, but when you start factoring in guys like Z'Darrius Smith and Rayshon Gary, who can also slide into a defensive end role in, a, in an emergency, there's just so much versatility in this group. It's so deep. I, I'm very excited for it.
3: Absolutely. So let's just hop right in. We'll start, we'll start at the top of the depth chart, and we'll just work our way down. Well, the guys who are locked in, and we're going to start with the All Star, the 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 stud of the line, the future All Pro at only 23 years old. That's Kenny Clark, six uh, three three fourteen, in his fourth year out of UCLA, UCLA. A guy who I had mocked them when he got drafted. A lot of people were shocked when he was picked into at 27th, but he has emerged as an absolute force. He, he's got that he's got that great high Madden score as well. But he is a guy who. Does everything. He's he's gotten better and better as a pass rusher every year. He holds the point very very well, and he's a guy who's who a guy you want in that locker room, leading guys, working hard, and getting the job done. And he is the perfect fit for what Mike Petton's doing.
4: Yeah, I, you know I think that's one of my favorite things about this entire off season, is that Kenny Clark is finally starting to get recognized around the NFL, and it, it took three years, but he, he's really taking that step into elite defensive line play. He's in that conversation for one of the top five to ten in the entire NFL. I I, I don't know what to say that he can do better other than just keep getting pressure. You know, he he does what he's told to do, and he does it extremely well. And I think that's kind of why he goes unnoticed, because he's asked to do a lot of the dirty work uh, underneath there, under center. And, you know, he's He's really just the anchor of this defense and a very quiet, you know, he kind of goes about his business, doesn't really speak up much, but he'll talk to you and he'll, he'll speak out when you ask him to. But he's, just, he's the quiet leader of this defense, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so excited to see what he can do in year four.
3: Yeah, so he's, uh, as far as weight goes, the second biggest of the defensive line group, the biggest of the main guys. And, he, and if his rate, the weight is right on the Packers' website. He's slimmed down. He's down to 314. Because I think it was about 3, 320, 325 in his first couple of years. But even at 314, he doesn't look it. He looks like a guy who's 290, and he moves like it. He, he is a very stout build. He's not a guy who's got a gut. He's a guy who's he's very similar to Mike Daniels in that way. Yeah, they're both just tanks in there, and they both just eat
4: space and eat blocks. And that that alone is so valuable to a
3: defense. And speaking of Mike Daniels, moving on to the veteran of the group at age 30. is he's, he's played eight years out of Iowa. Six-foot, 3'10", in the last year of, of his big contract, Mike Daniels. Uh, starting at, He's going to be starting another defensive end spot, another guy who does all the little things right, a great leader, uh, a guy who, who sets a very good example as well, and uh, like Kenny also a high school wrestler, so he understands leverage and hand placement very, very well. And before we even break down Mike Daniels, Tyler, do you think he's going to be a Packer next year?
4: I hope so. You know, I, I understand if he's not for, for a multitude of reasons, but I certainly hope so. Um, if, I, if I had to put money on it today, I would probably say no, and that, that really saddens me.
3: Yeah, yeah he's just a guy who seems like he just screams Green Bay Packer, that blue-collar type player. Another big-time Iowa product, like, many other Packers that have come through over the years uh, who are Hawkeyes. But when you look at Daniels, he, he, much like Kenny Clark this year, a couple years ago, Mike Daniels finally got the recognition he deserved. He was voted as one of the top 100 players for whatever that's worth. Uh, he's, I think he's been to a Pro Bowl. He's a guy who's, whose numbers aren't always the flashiest, but you, you always see him around the football. He's always around it. He's always causing problems. He's always doing the little things that make offenses uncomfortable. And for a guy with his demeanor and his, just insane play on the field where it's almost kind of scary at times when you're lining up across from him he's a guy who who every team would want to build a defense around
4: he's just so smart you know if if you haven't had a chance to go through and watch the NFL network uh, the game pass session or the NFL game set film session I think it's called um, it's, it's part of the Game Pass package. If you have it, go check it out, because there's an episode with Mike Daniels from last season. Uh, fantastic. Like, just, you just get to go through his mind and the way that he operates, and it's just such a fascinating conversation that he has with Baldinger and Jaws. And I... He, he's so important to this defense, and I wish that he was able to stay healthy um, more often. And maybe this year he, he can kind of take a load off a little bit uh, with, with the arrival of some guys like Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith and Rayshon Gary. Uh, with, with the arrival of those guys and Kingsley Keek, he might not have to play every down at 1,000%. You know, They can play him... 80% of the snaps, 70% of the snaps. I'm not sure what his snap counts are. I probably should have looked that up beforehand. But he can play, you know, a limited, more limited number of snaps at 100%, and we don't have to worry about him getting hurt as, hurt as much, and you can... Bank on him going out there and making an impact on his limited snaps. I, I think that's kind of the role that we'll see him shift into this year. With with Dean Lowry being a safe bet to make not only make the roster but also be a starter. You know he's going to be competing for starting time or playing time with Dean Lowry and then Kingsley Keek kind of waiting in the wings behind him. Uh, so there's there's some movable pieces there, and I'm really interested to see how Patton uses them to kind of preserve him and uh, create ultimate pressure from uh, the interior of the defense.
3: No, absolutely, I agree with you, and that's the big thing with Daniels and with Kenny Clark, is going to be staying healthy. I know both guys dealt with injuries last year. With Kenny Clark, they just kind of played it safe with the team out of the playoff hunt, but as long as those, both those guys are on the field, that's going to be quite the duo to match. And speaking of Dean Lowry, he is the projected third starter in that base defense. He God, he's been getting more and more playing time every year as he gets ready for his final year of his contract as well, 6'6", six, six, 296. He's 25 years old out of Northwestern. And he's a guy who, he's just consistent. He's steady Eddie. He's he's that guy who you don't, you don't know he's always out there, but he's very under the radar, doing his thing, getting the job done. And when he makes that splash play, he really makes that splash play. I mean, look at two years ago when he had the pick six against Tampa, and some of the sacks he makes are at the most opportune times. He's, he takes advantage of his opportunities, but he's the guy who – he's a good 11 starter to have. He's just that steady guy who doesn't look for the recognition, doesn't look for the big accolades. He just goes out and does his job.
4: Yeah, exactly. And they, obviously, the coaches love him just because he, he goes out there and he does exactly what he's supposed to do. You know, I don't ever think I've even heard Dean Lowry say a word. To a reporter and a press conference, anything, and not to say that that's not that's on him, but you know normally, even if a guy is a like reserve level player, but they're vocal, you're still gonna hear that like josh jackson like we're we're hearing that, you know, but these guys who are just going out there and doing their job just quiet that's Dean Lowry, and it's he's a replaceable level player he's a replacement level player, however. He, he is important to this defense in his own right because he can be that guiding light for some of these younger guys like James Looney, Fadal Brown, Kingsley Keek, uh, Tyler Lancaster. Just kind of like that model pro that you're looking for to have these guys emulate and eventually
3: become themselves. I have to agree with you. I, I would say he's maybe a little better than replacement level. He, I think he's an average player. He's an average, he's an average starter. He's an above-average backup Especially because at six foot six, that's still hard to throw over, and he does have a pretty good knack of knocking uh, passes down. And whereas you have guys who get the, the big pressure numbers, whereas it's, it's Daniels and Clark and some of those other guys, Lowry is one of the better run stoppers in this group. He is a guy who sets the edge extremely well, and he doesn't get moved off the spot very often. To the point where he's he's content to just get there, get his arms locked in, not let the lineman get offensive lineman get free and just hold that gap down and let other guys flow to the for football. Yeah, no, and that's
4: exactly what happens when you have good technique, is he's, he's strong enough at the point of attack. He just needs to get to his spot, which he does most of the time. You know, he's not the best athlete. He's a good enough athlete for the position, but he, he has the proper technique once he gets to his spot. He's strong enough to hold up, and he's ultimately just a, a very good run defender. He's not going to offer a ton in the pass rush, but that's okay. When you get to you know, your third defensive lineman on your depth chart, most NFL teams can't say that they have a guy who can do both uh, and excel at both. You know, to have a guy who can excel at one or the other is a luxury. I think when you start getting into the you know the depths of your depth chart.
3: Absolutely, which brings us to our next guy, uh, a third year a third year player out of Auburn. That's going to be Montrevious Adams, 6'4", 304, Same age as Kenny Clark, so twenty three, uh, and he's a guy where if you listen to Andy Andy's interview with Kenny Clark a couple weeks ago. He brought up Montrevis Adams as a guy to look out for after mini camp getting ready for training camp. He talked about Adams really kind of having a washout rookie year because of his foot injury. He struggled a little bit at the beginning of last year, getting used to the NFL speed still a little bit. But as the year went on, he got more and more comfortable, he got more and more consistent, and he got more and more snaps as the year went on. And he's a guy where... When you see him flash, when you watch his college tape, when he flashes, he flashes in a big, big way. He's a very talented uh, athlete. He's a very quick twitch, very agile for a guy his size, and he's made some, pl- some big plays when he was in the SDC, And if, if I believe Kenny Clark, which I do very much so, I think Adams could be a guy to really break out and really establish maybe being a sub-package guy getting more snaps as a pass rusher this year.
4: Yeah, and I'm not sure if he can slide out and play defensive end, uh, but I think in this defense, uh, a defensive end is pretty much a defensive tackle. And when we start looking at my, uh, Mike Daniels and the the guys he needs to look out for, I think Montrevius Adams is his biggest competition because when when you look at Montrevius Adams, uh, his rookie year obviously was very disappointing. He had that foot injury, you know. Sometimes that just kind of stuff that stuff happens, and, and it's very disappointing, but. He received nothing but praise that entire off season. As you know, he's going to be ready to go for the 2018 season. He's learning the playbook. He's a smart kid. He's putting in the work. He's putting in the time. He's working out. He's getting in shape. And then you kind of saw, you know, effectively his rookie season. You got to see the uh, the progression of Adams throughout the year. And as the towards the end of the year, as the year ended, you could see what the excitement was all about for Adams. I'm just so excited to see the year four leap, I'm sorry, the year three leap that he takes, uh, you know, leading into his contract year, which would be year four, but I'm, I'm so excited to see the leap that he takes this year because I think that he can be a dark horse on this defense and a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere, like, like our godfather Andy was saying. He just comes out of nowhere, and he's going to kind of smack everybody in the face, and we're going to be like, wow, this is a guy that we can be really excited about moving into the future.
3: Well, actually, and thing you keep, keep an eye on his head, like last year was effect, effectively his rookie year, he's still only 23, which is even more amazing. If you look at Kenny Clark in his fourth year, is also only 23. But he, Adams came out young. He had a lot of experience. He was a he was a big-time recruiter, I remember, out of high school going to Auburn. And he's a guy where, with was still with plenty of youth on his side and plenty of, of years ahead of him, this could be that breakout year. And he was a guy I, who I was really excited for when they drafted him. I, I saw the flashes of what he could be. And now that he's healthy, and I think he's with uh, Jerry Montgomery, who seems to have a really good connection with him as a defensive line coach, I, I'm really excited to see him break out as that fourth defensive lineman, maybe even... Jumping in to the lineup in 2020 with Lowry and Daniels on expiring contracts, so that could be something to keep an eye on as well. With Montrevious Adams, uh, the fifth guy is the guy who became the people's champion for a while last year. and That's Tyler Lancaster, teammate of Dean Lowry's at Northwestern. He's 24, 6'3, 313. Pretty much a, your prototypical nose tackle. Not going to bring much in the passing game, but he is strong, very very strong. Good at the point of attack. Good run stopper. And he's a, he's that that's kind of that space that space eater who's gonna hold up and he's gonna be a good guy to stop in the middle of the field in the run game.
4: Yeah, and not to say that Patton runs a three four defense because he really runs a multiple system. However, the primary basis of his system is three down linemen, four linebackers, and. You know, he, he's going to move guys around and put them in different situations. However, in that 3-4 defense, it's so key to have a good nose tackle, a guy who can eat up two blocks on every single play, and that's that's Tyler Lancaster. He's a niche player, uh, you know, one that you can generally go out and kind of find uh, on the waiver wire uh, to, fu- to fill out your depth chart, but... You know it's really, really good to have them because they fill that specific role. For instance, you get on the goal line, you need a guy who's just not going to be moved, so you can blitz your middle linebackers in. That's Tyler Lancaster. You know, it, it allows the coaches to be flexible and have options, and that's what I like so much about Tyler Lancaster. is you can throw him out there, you know what you're going to get, and he's going to do it. And I, I it's, it's going to be tough sledding for him this year because he's going to have to fight with some with some pretty talented guys behind him for a roster spot. I, I wouldn't consider Tyler Lancaster a lock. I would consider him a favorite, maybe, but I'm only considering him a favorite if they keep sticks. So that's where this is where, in the depth chart, it starts to get a little murky as far as who they're actually going to keep on the roster.
3: Absolutely, and the one thing I also like about Lancaster was, much like Toronto Miles a few years ago, he started out on the practice squad, stayed with the team, he worked his way up, got the opportunity to get to the active roster, and when he when he got there he made his time count. He's a guy who showed uh, the importance of just pushing forward and keep pushing through and to to really take advantage of the opportunities that you have. And he's a guy, yeah, I agree with you. If they keep six, I think he's got the inside track for that sixth spot. But if they only keep five, I think it's going to be a big-time risk for him to make the team this year. And so speaking of which, moving on to the next guy, the the sixth guy uh, who we have listed here, I think he's pretty much set into that fifth spot, and that's going to be the rookie, Kingsley Kiki. Kiki out of Texas A&M, 6'3", 288. He's only 22. Guy who dropped quite a bit on draft day, surprisingly, into day three. Very athletic guy, shows pretty good pass rush moves. He's very slippery. And he's also a guy who, when they interviewed him about his time at A&M, he had bulked up a lot to play nose. He bulked down to play on the edge. He, he's able to move around and be very versatile on the defensive line, which is something that this team and Mike Pett especially are really going to enjoy.
4: You know, I if you uh, read the Cheesehead TV draft guide this past year, I had the privilege of writing about the defensive linemen. And Kingsley Keek, I was much higher on than a lot of the draft community. I love this kid at Texas A&M. He's got a motor. He he's, he's, uh, has the ability to rush the passer. Um, I think my favorite... My favorite part about his game was his first step. You know, he had some uncoachable traits that just kind of popped off the, the the tape to me. And I'm so excited to see what he can do in this defense that's going to put him in situations to be one-on-one with these offensive linemen. Granted, obviously, he's moving up a level in play. He's going to the NFL. But I'm so excited to see what this kid can do at the NFL level because he had so many traits that I just saw that were translatable to how he could be used at the NFL level. And um, I I honestly think that him and Montrevious Adams are going to give Mike Daniels a run for his money. Um, Maybe not this year for Daniels, but definitely they're going to make the decision, I believe, probably a little bit easier for Gutekunst in the front office. Um, I just think that he was the... Daniel, the Daniels' heir apparent when they drafted him in the fifth round. Granted, he's a fifth-round pick, so, I mean, obviously there's some things that the NFL teams didn't like about him, but I personally was very high on him. I think I had him as my ninth defensive lineman in the class, um, and if you, uh, you want to read up on him, you can still go back and purchase the, the draft guide. I think it's like five bucks. So, anyway, um, I, I'm very high on Keek and uh, I, I can't wait to see what he can do in this defense.
3: Well, actually, yeah, yeah with Kiki with me, and you, so he said it right away, first thing, he's got a high motor. I love those type of guys. There's Dean Lowry's the same way. There's always room on a roster for a guy with a high motor as long as he has even a semblance of athleticism and two functioning legs. And this guy has that he put played big-time snaps in the SEC, which you can't discount that in for college football. Uh, evaluating guys playing at a tough conference year after year after year, playing the Alabamas, the Auburns, the Floridas of the world every single season. And he is a guy who bulked up, slimmed down, did all the things he needed to, has that great first step, and he... Uh, and he and he know he knows how to use the moves that he has. And, and I think he's a guy I agree with. You. I think he could be the heir apparent to Mike Daniels. He's a guy who, I don't know how much time he'll get this year. He may be sometime, a lot of times a game day inactive just to get, his, get used to the NFL game. But I'm excited to see him in training camp. Uh, I'm going to be there next Saturday, so it'll be exciting to see some of these guys when they get to camp and see how they look in, in, with everything that they have going on. With that being said, moving on to our next defensive lineman. And this is a guy who... A draft pick last year did not make the opening day roster, opening day roster one of the f- couple draft picks that ended up being released, and that's going to be James Looney. Looney, 6'3", 287, out of Cal, 24 years old. Uh, a guy who, another very steady player. He's not, he doesn't wow you with a lot of the tape that he put on when he was in the, in the Pac-12, but he, he also didn't make any big game-losing game plays out there. He, he's a guy who is steady. He's a, a solid defensive lineman, but he's not a flashy player by any means.
4: No, he's not, and uh, I'm I, um, not sure if he really has a route to the roster this year. I'm just going to be quite frank. Um, when we start talking about the guys that are in front of him, I think it's going to take an injury to see him on the roster. Um, not to say that he can't have a fantastic camp and kind of blow the coaches out of the water. It's a brand-new coaching staff in a lot of ways. Uh, Jerry Montgomery is still there, but... In a lot of ways, his new coaching staff, so he could, you know, make those impressions and, you know, they formulate their own impression of these guys rather than having having an uh, already existing one.
3: Yeah, I agree. And the one thing that doesn't help him is that, again, he's already 24, and only in his second year. He is the smallest of, he's, he's the third smallest of all the linemen on the roster. Uh, a couple guys that are lighter than we'll talk about, but he, at only 287, I don't know if he has the, the requisite bulk. Really to hold up with, without that dominant strength or first step.
4: Well, when they drafted him, he played edge at Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry, Carolina. Yeah, 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 Carolina. Okay, oh, Cal. I had it in my head. I kept saying Carolina, but I had California in my head. Blue and yellow, Golden Bear. Begin with C.A. <laughs> um, he played the edge hybrid position at Cal, and you know it, it was kind of why his his uh, stock dropped in the draft and why he fell to the seventh round. Um, I was wondering how he would handle that transition if he would bulk up or slim down, you know, pick one or the other. Uh, he, he had the potential to be a guy like a Z'Darrius Smith, that type of player, but he wasn't that level of athlete. And um, I, I just ultimately think it, it kind of sucks because he's a tweener, and a lot of times tweeners don't make it in the NFL, with Aaron Donald being the incredible exception to that rule. Tweeners generally don't make it. So, um, it, it, it's It's sad, but it's just kind of the reality
3: of it. no, I agree, and I th- I have him at eighth on my personal depth chart right now. I think he's a very long shot as well. The guy ahead of him is a guy who I enjoyed watching last year when they brought him in off waivers, and that's fidal brown uh twenty six years old he's six four two eighty two on the roster uh, out of out of Mississippi. He's a guy who came in with no expectations and he just stepped on the field and he was solid. He was said a good job at, at the 3-4 end spot. He held the point. He was able to make a couple plays in the backfield, and I think it was a smart move to bring him back and have him compete in training camp. And while he does have a, a little bit of a long shot to make the team again this year, there's definitely something to work with there. Now, I don't know if he has practice squad eligibility or not, but if he does, I think he's a prime candidate to be on the practice squad and be probably the first call-up for an injury.
4: I completely agree, and I think when you look at this depth chart, in terms of slots four through seven, which uh, on my list would be Montrevious Adams, Tyler Lancaster, Fidel Brown, and Kingsley Keek in no specific order, probably Montrevious Adams leading that group, uh, probably sitting at the four. So five through seven would be Lancaster, Brown, and Keek. You know, there's so much that has to be decided, and there's going to be a lot of competition on the back end of this defensive line group, and that's just going to breed, you know, breed brotherhood amongst these guys, and it's going to breed, you know, the best player truly winning out, and competition is just truly important to any position group and any team, and I'm just excited to see what those three specifically, uh, Lancaster, Brown, and Keek, with Lancaster being the most skill set specific out of that group, what they can really bring to the defensive line group as a whole, and who kind of carves out a name for themselves in training camp in the preseason, and who ultimately, I think, wins a sixth defensive line Spot, if we see a sixth defensive lineman, if we, if we see only five, I think Lancaster's out as well as Brown, and I think he slides in simply because of draft capital. But it's, um, it's going to be a fun position group to watch. I, I really can't wait for that specific group of players.
3: And one thing that, before we get to the last couple of players, that I'm really excited about also is this year they have the joint practices with Houston. And we all know with J.J. Watt and Houston, they have a very good defensive line. We'll see if Clowney's a part of that or not, if he shows up. But being able to work with some of those all-pro type players with Houston as well, and their coaching staff and drills too, could also help these guys out even more, giving them some, some outside tutorials, outside observations, and just kind of working with them I think could really go a long way. I, like, I for one would love to see J.J. Watt working with Montrevious Adams. Or working with Kenny Clark to help those guys develop even more, since we're all not going to see them for another few years anyway. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very fascinating to see how the Texans and Packers work together with two very, very strong defensive lines.
4: Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a sight to see, and that's for sure. I just, I'm, I'm so ready for football. <laughs> I'm just so ready for it, and I just can't wait to watch all of this. I'm so excited for this Packers defense. You know, I was excited going into last year with Patton. Uh, I'm so much more excited this year. So I just, I just can't wait to watch all of this.
3: Absolutely. So as we get to our last couple of guys, these are guys who I really don't see any way they have a, a path to the roster unless they are become the second coming of Aaron Donald. And we'll start with Eric Cotton, six four, two hundred seventy two pounds, rookie. He played 37 games at Stanford, starting as a tight end his first his first year. Then he moved over to defensive end. Uh, he only had three and a half sacks in his career, but he's a guy where pretty much a camp body, smaller guy. Uh, I don't think there's much of a chance for him, but you never know, could be a practice squad type guy. And then the last guy is Dion Simon, and this guy is, a, talk about a tank, 6'4", 3'32". He has already 29 on a Northwestern State. He's kind of bounced around for a long time. He was actually drafted in 2015 by the Jets, spending basically three years on their practice squad, played 16 NFL games with a one and a half sacks. Uh, he was, he got signed at the end of September of last year, spent almost the entire season on the Packers practice squad. Uh, he's a guy just, a massive human, uh, very much in the title Lancaster mold, just bigger. So I, I don't think either of these two guys have much of a shot at the roster, but. You never know, that's why camp is there. The guys could maybe impress the coaches enough to do something. Yeah,
4: you know, that's what training camp is for, though, is to see what these guys have and to see what they can bring to the table. It's, they're certainly going to have an uphill battle to face. Uh, I think there's a lot more talent uh, in front of them. That doesn't mean that they can't make the roster, you know, uh, when when the Packers originally brought in Tyler Lancaster, I don't think any of us would have been talking about him as a guy who was going to make the roster and be a guy that we're going to be talking about the next season as a almost lock to make the roster. So, it, not not lock, but an almost you know definite roster rosterable player. And anything can happen. So let's see what these guys can bring to the table. I'm excited to see what they can do at training camp and the preseason games and what the coaches think. And honestly, it's like a, a lot of new coaches, so... It could be a very different mindset than what we're used to as Packers fans and analysts and writers and all that stuff. So it's going to be uh, something to watch and keep track of, but uh, anything can happen.
3: Absolutely. And so with that, that'll wrap up our defensive line conversation. The 10 guys again, Clark, Daniels, Lowry, Adams, Lancaster, Kiki, Brown, Looney, Cotton, and Simon, the 10 guys on the roster, that have a chance to make this defensive line group. So we'll see what happens going on from that. But as we wrap things up, Tyler, where can people find you? What are you working on?
4: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter as always at Tyler underscore Grez. We're actually in the middle of a draft uh, for a league that I'm doing. It's a 30 team Packers Twitter fans and writers league. It's uh, pretty interesting. Um, It's pretty cool. We're in the middle of a draft for that, and uh, so it's a 30 team league. We'll announce the winner obviously at the end of the year. But so that's that. And then I'm. Pretty much focusing on fantasy football at the moment and uh, doing this, so uh, you're probably seeing a lot of fantasy football content on my timelines because I've kind of made that fundamental shift. So, um, I'm pretty excited to be doing that. I'm having a lot of fun doing that, um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm up to.
3: All right, actually, so you can find my writing on Dairyland Express. I'm currently going through every draft the Packers have ever done. I'm building an all-time day one team, so only first-round picks, trying to build a complete roster, with the exception of specialists because. They, they haven't done that. They're not the Raiders. But I'm, I'm trying to build. That. I'm still working on that. That's taking some time to see how, the, how it actually fits. I'm going to do day one, day two, and day three all time rosters eventually. Slowly working on that. So keep an eye on that on Dairyland Express. And find me on Twitter at Mike Welland. I'll do a lot. I do have a lot of sports takes, whether it be football, baseball, or basketball as well. And with, and with that, we'll wrap things up. And don't forget as well, listen, tomorrow we'll have Zach and Matub will be back on the airwaves. They'll be breaking down the offensive line and the greatness that is David Bakhtieri, Corey Lindsley, and the whole crew. So stay tuned for that on your Sunday as we continue our path to training camp, which is under a week away now, and it's, it's, it's almost football season, and I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I'm <laughs> so
4: excited for this Packers season, for Aaron Rodgers and the floor and Devontae Adams and all the, all the other wide receivers and... The running backs and the defense especially,
3: Jair Alexander, I think, is, is set for a big year. I'm just so excited for everything. Absolutely. It's going to be a blast. So that will say so long for now. For Tyler Gregoric. this is Mike Lemon. Stay tuned every day for more of the Pack-A-Day podcast. And, of course, Go Pack Go!